Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, where we take a peek behind the scenes into different fields of social work, engage and inspire practitioners, translate research into practice and encourage lifelong learning. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. In today's episode, I chat with Kate Taylor, founder and managing director of Taylor Care Recruitment. We talk a little bit about some of the things you should keep an eye on when applying for jobs, different ways to make your resume and your experience stand out, and some of her own, I guess, tips and advice on how to be uh, the most successful applicant, how to make a good first impression, and some of the opportunities that you can take from your placement right through to early graduation uh, and in your career to network, to make your, to make yourself stand out and some of the things that you can do to try and get the job that you want. Here's my interview with Kate Taylor. Welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast. Today I'm talking with Kate Taylor, founder and managing director of Taylor Care Recruitment. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I thought I'd reach out to you. Um, a lot of our listeners are graduates or even mid, mid-career mid social workers. And I think job um, security or employment or opportunities is always something that comes up, but um, it's not really something I've, I've had anyone talk about as a guest. So I thought it'd be really good to hear your insights into that space. Yeah, um, great. So just to get started, do you want to share with the audience a little bit about your journey? What got you into recruitment for social work and counselling and allied health roles? Yes. Well, um, I've been running my business now for almost seven years, but I've been in the social work site counselling space for 10 years now. Um, I'm actually an early childhood background, so I started off in early childhood um, in childcare centres and then got into that type of recruitment um, about 12 years ago now. And then um, I've also, um, when I came back, I was living in London at the time, so I was working over there. And then when I came back, the company I uh, applied to work with had said, well, look, education's not that big at the moment. Why don't you consider doing social work, counselling, psychology, recruitment? And so I was like, well, actually, that would fit really well because I love helping vulnerable people groups. Uh, I love children, obviously. So I naturally gravitated towards roles within like children and families non-for-profits, um, child protection, that kind of thing. And I found it a lot more rewarding because it was helping vulnerable people and children rather than just kids going to school or childcare. So um, for me, that kind of passion grew from when I got to start doing that about 10 years ago and was told I had to recruit from the Northern Territory. And I was thinking, oh gosh, how am I going to get anyone to go out there? <laughs> um, and funny enough, a lot of social workers and psychs and counsellors and nurses want to go out there. They actually feel like it's a, um, a calling at some point in their career to go and do a stint in the outback with the Indigenous people. So I actually find that really um, rewarding to match people to jobs out there, whether it be contract or permanent. So, yeah, it was really exciting. And then it, the passion grew from there. Um, and then that's how I went out on my own and specialised just in this space. So, yeah, so it's been about seven years now. And, um, yeah, we do a lot um, throughout New South Wales, Victoria, um, Northern Territory, Western Australia, and we're starting for a bit of Queensland as well. So, yeah, we're getting out there. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds so interesting. What makes your service uh, maybe a little bit more unique or different from some of the other either recruitment services or just kind of going it on your own and browsing through 
job seeker websites? Yeah, so um, a bit about us. We're a boutique recruitment agency because we're so specialist in what we do. Um, we're not the, the big companies that you see out there in the marketplace that are have hundreds of employees and you're just a name on their books. We actually really bring the care back into re recruitment and social work um, in what we do uh, with basically a personalised approach to every person that works with us. We, me and my team um, are very consultative in our recruitment style. We get to know the candidates really well, get to know our clients really well, and we only match people that are going to fit the organisation. So, yeah, we um, also have won um, business awards for our approach to business with charity as well. So we give back quite a lot to charity through our time and money as well. And we've been able to show people that you can give as you grow your business, not just once you've become, you know, Richard Branson or something, you know, you can actually give um, different amounts depending where you're at in your journey, but you can all do something to make a difference. And I guess that really ties in well with our industry where we specialise in, in the social work space. And uh, yeah, we just love that we are able to go the extra mile and give back through business, not just recruit in this area. That's really nice to hear because that's something that comes up a lot in um, in some of the courses I've done, especially when you're looking at maybe a more private pay or private practice model. There's always yeah. a conversation of, you know, it's kind of expected that people would, would have a 5 10 15% kind of sliding scale pro bono or something just to continue giving that back into the community. And that's something like yourself, I've tried to do at all stages of my business, whether it's you know, a significantly discounted or free um, attendance to one of my courses or a sliding scale for low income or concession card holders. Like, I think that really yeah. keeps your values in line with yes. what you're doing. Yeah. And I think I attract people to work for my brand who care about that stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's all about the care and what they do. And, um, you know, our kind of tagline these days is you care for others, we care for you. And I guess um, the caring, my brand has really become key in who we are. And um, I guess the message we give out to the world, we want to make a difference and help people. That's really great to hear. And um, you've got a Facebook group as well, where a lot of people can connect yeah. and share their experiences. Tell me a bit about yeah. what's happening on that, that page and that space. Yeah, we've um, become quite the, the group for social work counselling psychology um, within Australia um, and New Zealand. We've come up with a page and it's a forum that we created and it's literally, we have so many people joining every day. We're almost, we're 2,666 members now, uh, which is incredible. And every day we have at least 10 or 15 requests to join. So yeah, we're really excited to build a community um, online where people either in the field um, in Australia are working currently or uh, they just want to connect with others in a community space, but also people who are maybe relocating to Australia and New Zealand and want to have that connection before they get here. So, um, yeah, sometimes we place them into jobs, but often it's just a community connection point and we promote um, what we're up to and jobs that we have. So if anyone wants to apply, they can. That's it. Yeah. Well, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If anybody who's listening and isn't in the group, they're welcome to join. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. So some of the things I thought we could talk about for the audience is maybe starting right at the beginning of the social work um, or allied health career. I imagine it's similar across other fields and what can maybe students in their placements, that's the first, often the first um, practical component of their course. And for some, yep. it's the only thing they've done in that field. Some have come with a bit more experience in, um, in other related areas, but what are some yep. of the opportunities that you feel they should take up while on placement? 
to improve yep. their employability for when they graduate? Yeah, I think this is actually really important, um, particularly with the social work placements, because they get to actually go out in the field prior. Other like counselling psychs, they don't get to do placements. So this is actually really key, gives you an edge when you're going out to get jobs, right? Um, the thing that I would encourage people is to be um, proactive in their placement. So use whatever opportunities you can to network and like learn what the business does, all the different managers from different areas and different teams, like just be a, a presence of light and, um, you know, help to anyone that you can. Um, have a good work ethic, like turning up on, like even though it's not paid, turn up like it is paid. Do you know what I mean? Take it seriously. You know, you want to create a good um, impression because you never know. A lot of people get job offers after their placements. If they go above and beyond and really stand out, um, they will like literally train you up. So, um, but also the reference, you know, if you don't have any other work experience in the field, you've worked in retail or something like that, um, while you're studying or like before you started studying, it's really important, I believe, to, um, you know, just like look at what you can do. So it might be offering to do support work casually for them outside of your placement, um, applying for volunteer opportunities um, where you can go out and help um, as well. It's all going to build up your profile and what your capabilities are. You know, this is the starting point of your career and you want to make the best impression. I'm glad you mentioned the work ethic because I think that's really hard for some people because they're already feeling like, oh, but I have to be here. It's part of my course. And I can see the difference in the trajectory or the career trajectory of those students who had that attitude versus those who used it as an opportunity to, to network, who gave it 100%, who were on time, who were punctual, who yeah. provided, you know, really good, clear, whatever they were doing, they took it seriously. And over yeah. a few years, you can see the difference in the opportunities that those with that um, that mindset have had yes, um, and where it's led them. Because not that I don't like to say your, your reputation follows you, but if you stand out for all the right reasons, you stand out and then people look back and might contact students on placement or try and keep them in mind if they move to another organization and they see that resume. So it's, it's actually not a huge community. No, exactly. Everyone knows everyone. And um, you want to get a reference if nothing else for your placement, you might need that to get your first job. So, um, you know, whatever you need to do to get a good reference from your placement, you need to do it. So be proactive about that. And that's, really going to be the making or breaking of how you launch your career in the field so i don't know if maybe you're best place to answer this but i'll I'll throw it out your way anyway so how do students balance i i like to go with the idea that while you're on placement this is the time to try things that are a little bit difficult and out of your maybe comfort zone i mean that's the whole point of the course is to push you so some people feel like I need to make a good impression so i can't tell them i'm struggling with this or I, i can't talk to my supervisor about this difficult case my, my, I guess, view is if you're honest with that stuff and you're showing vulnerability and willingness to learn from your mistakes, that that's actually a desirable quality rather than yeah. pretending you've got it all under control when as a student, that's, you're not supposed to know everything anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's about being teachable. So if you can show that you're really teachable and willing to learn whatever it takes, and it might just be saying to that manager or supervisor, look, I know you're really busy. Obviously, I'm just one of many people you're looking out for and managing at the moment. Um, but when is the best time? If I have some questions or things that I'm not sure on, is there a certain time in the day to approach you? Would you rather me email you? Um, should I set a meeting in your diary? Like be proactive about that so that um, you can almost create a list throughout your day or your week so that when you have that one-on-one with them, 
you can then run it by them, you know, or ask a colleague in the team who you know maybe isn't as busy as the manager and just say, hey, I've thought about this. Um, have I done it correctly? Or, you know, just little things. If it, um, I always have that theory of like the one-minute manager. Um, if it only takes one minute to ask someone something, usually managers don't mind you asking them. If it's something that's going to take a while for them to teach you and talk through, then give then make a time for meeting with them. Um, is kind of something that I think really helps. That's really good advice. I'll make sure I um I put some tips on that in the show notes. So <laughs> moving on from um from people on placement, what about new graduates? So what are some things that maybe yep. they can do to either enhance their resume or make them stand out? Because every year thousands graduate as kind of a big cohort across the country. Um, yep what makes someone stand out as being um, a more desirable candidate for a job? Yeah, so it's very competitive, as you said. Um, you are competing against people with more experience in going for the same role now as well. So, you know, unless it's a new graduate program, you're pretty much going for a job the same as someone that maybe have three or 10 years experience. So how do you stand out in that market is, is something, um, you know, I get asked a lot. And um, the big thing is, I think, um, is that you're like eager, you're enthusiastic, you're teachable when you start out. You're, um, the thing is when people have been in the field a long time, they're not necessarily as teachable. Um, so if you can be proactive in expressing that when you do go for interviews or are talking to employers, um, say, look, you know, I, often I get, hear people say to me, oh, look, I know people say they need experience, but how can I get experience if no one gives me a go? And it's like, so that's where I'd be like, all right, maybe I apply for some support work, casual work while I'm trying to get a permanent job you know, just to get my name out there, even though it's not a graduate role as such, it's still getting you experience and a reference. Um, so just being proactive about that if you're not getting opportunities straight away. Um, but don't just go and take a job in retail or another field. Really try and get work in the field that you want to be working in. Um, and then also, yeah, be proactive in following up your CV and your application. So if someone calls me and um, it doesn't matter how busy I am, if they've called me and said, hey, I'm just checking in on my application, I'll I'll give them five minutes or 10 minutes of my time just to chat to them and talk them through. Even if I can't help them, I'll give them at least some tips and advice on how to go about getting a job if I can't help a new grad. Um, and yeah, so that stuff really helps. It makes a good impression. It shows that you're eager and that you're not just going to sit and wait for someone to call you. <laughs> um, I, it's not annoying people, trust me. Like if you call the HR person or the name on the advert and you call them up and have a chat, actually quite impressed that you've called them up and had the guts to do it so don't be afraid to do that um and just yeah be confident that you can learn and you can grow and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get there i love that point and i've got a friend who if she's listening she'll know exactly who she is but she she had that kind of um I guess, enthusiasm and tenacity to, in her first job after graduating, she applied for something that maybe was a little bit above her skill set, called them, yeah. asked questions, asked for feedback, and then they couldn't find someone for the higher up position. So they recategorized it and employed her. And she's been there now like 14 years in the same role. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, she's worked her way up through management and it was all from that early stage of I know I'm out of uni but I'm really excited I'm really passionate about this I know I can learn it and she was very yeah. um willing to do that and has out, outlived or out survived in that role all the other people that were in her original team so I, I think that's actually a really and it wasn't an email it was like pick up the phone and call and for someone yes. who's I think 21 22 that might seem a bit daunting but it really does work yeah it does and it always impresses me like 
I had some, um, cause I recruit obviously staff for my own business and I had um, someone like that who'd been in social work and she's like, I really want to learn recruitment. Would you give me a go? Like I'm training social work, but looking for something a bit different. I want to learn the business side of my field. And so I actually originally wasn't going to consider her, but then because she called me up and I was quite impressed with her tenacity, I actually interviewed her, ended up hiring her, training her up. She ended up being one of my good best staff members, um, saving me for a couple of years. And now she's gone into another recruitment company now and doing really well there. So, you know, like you said, it's just about that one person that gives you um, a chance, but yeah, you've got to be out there to get that chance. Yeah, that's great. And also your point of getting jobs in similar fields, that was something I wanted to touch on as well is do you try and get a job in an organisation that you like, but in a different role, whether it's admin yeah. or, you know, personal care or home help, that sort of disability work, that stuff's really yeah. um offers the flexibility that maybe hospitality or retail does, but is a bit more closely aligned with. Exactly. Because then you can bring to that, I mean, in my experience, you can bring to that a little bit of what you're studying. So even if you are just a, you know, support worker, and, and I don't even like to saying just, because it's a very valuable role in itself, but yeah. you might have a bit more flexibility there to try some of your motivational interviewing techniques or talk to someone yeah. about, oh, you know, maybe we, you know, I know you've mentioned a few times you want to quit smoking. How about you? So you can weave in some of those conversations into the work you do. Yes. What things to talk to in a, um, in a job interview about maybe a difficult case or an ethical dilemma or how you've. Yeah. Had- yeah, exactly. And I also think, um, you know, we've developed a new training program recently through Taylorcare, Taylorcare training division. We launched um, in the midst of the downturn, but we're very excited to um, try something different. And um, we believe that a lot of job seekers to stand out now is going to be even harder than ever before. So we've come up with a program um, called future proof your career, and it's got different um, support depending on what you need and budgets (laughs) as well, um, which I can link to this as well. And that, basically allows people to have help with their CV, help with coaching, with interview techniques, with their mindset, with their confidence, and also follow up and feedback as well. So, you know, we have a variety of packages depending on what you're looking for. But that's something that I'd really encourage people to consider is upskilling and what professional development can you be doing um, or courses or training that could give you that edge when you go out to market. And I think people overlook that investment in themselves because I think the way our education system is set up is so competitive and you get told you have to do really well in your VC or HSC, depending what state you're in, yes. ATAR now, whatever it is. Um, and then you feel like, cool, if I just do that, then I get into the course I want. And then once I finish the course, I'm done. But that's the minimum requirement for those jobs. Yeah. So often people are like, oh, I was, you know, top of my class in this or that, or I did, you know, I got a high distinction for this essay. But when you graduate, you're still at the bottom of that ladder or that food chain and so you need to reinvest or invest into then making yourself stand out because thousands of people are in that same position and there are thousands who are a year ahead of you or 10 years ahead and sometimes you're all competing for the same few jobs exactly so yeah how do we stand out in that market and that's where we've kind of come in with an opportunity for people to bridge that gap Um, and while recruitment is quiet as such um, we are really encouraging people to upskill and do whatever professional development they can um, to help boost them so they stay confident and, you know, have an edge in the marketplace. That's great. So we'll put a link to the Future Proof Your Career um, in the show notes so people can kind of check that out and see uh, if it's suitable. Yeah, great. So you mentioned you. a little bit that in that um, 
in that course, you do talk a little bit about feedback and improving your resume, but are, are yep. there any tips you've got for people on how they can get feedback if they're unsuccessful or if they send out a resume and they just get the automated response? Like what are some ways that they can get either someone from the organization to look over their resume or what kind of resources are out there for people to kind of either practice their interview skills or kind of tweak their resume and just get a feel for maybe where their gaps are? Yeah. So um, first of all, your CV, you have about these days, it's even less, um, probably like 15 seconds to impress someone when they look at it. So what I always say to people is like, you've got to make that first, your first impression is your CV. So if it's really badly formatted, if the layout's bad, if it's not clear what you've done, if it's, um, you know, just, I can't see, like I look for their qualifications first. So I always say, put that at the top, even if you're a new grad, then um, work experience and placements also put all of that in there, but don't just be like, um, don't undersell yourself in your CV. Like you need to, this is your showpiece, so to speak of saying why they should call you, why they should look further. Um, If they can um, see that you've got some great, think about everything you've done in your placements, um, whether it's casework, the types of clients you worked with, um, different areas, like if it was like, you know, mental health, what areas of mental health did you have to deal with? If it's disabilities, what types of disabilities did you work with clients with? Like, just be really specific because, you know, you haven't got a lot to add to your CV at this point. So it's really important to, um, yeah, put in as much info as you can to, to show that you have a broad range of skills and experience, whether it's paid or not. Um, I think that's something that's really important. And then also don't um, do a long-winded cover letter because people don't often have time to read it. So um, making it really short and concise, you know, to one page only is really important. Um, I really encourage people to, yeah, um, also make sure before you go on and do all the selection criteria and take up all your time writing that, make sure, you, you know, you call the employer before you apply for the job and check that it's exactly what you want because often they don't put all the information in the advert. So they might, like, um, I saw an ad the other day and I called up and the employer said, oh, you know, regular travel, but they hadn't said what that looked like. And she was like, oh, pretty much most weeks you'll be out two or three nights a week, um, like away for work. And I was like, not just regular that's like every that's you know regular I would think is like once a month or something but yeah so everyone's definitions of regular can be different so it's really important to um clarify things like that before you apply um and then in terms of bad interviews now this is something that can happen quite easily and with people get nervous you know under pressure right and some people's employers say to me, well, you know, if they can't handle the interview, how, how do I know they're going to be able to handle the challenges of the job? And I try and remind them that it's definitely a different skill set. You know, what people, how they come across in an interview setting versus being on the job in their natural environment where they're trained and skilled to work in is very different. <laughs> so um, I try to remind hiring managers of that. Um, but yeah, basically um, a lot of them will say, if you're not successful or shortlisted, oh, um, They'll probably say something like, oh, there was someone more experienced than you that applied. Um, Or they'll say, oh, you're just not the right culture fit. And this is something I hear a lot. And people get so frustrated because they're like, what is your culture? What does that look like? And not even the managers can often define it. It's usually a personality fit is probably more what they want to say, but they're just saying the the tagline culture to get away with it. Um, so, you know, do your research prior to the interviews, look at um, their website, look at their values and mission, look at the manager that you're going to meet with and the hiring managers, look them up on LinkedIn, like 
do your homework, you know, like so that you know what they're going to be looking for. You know, if you're going to be interviewed by another social work, a social work manager who knows the field, you can talk to them in a different way to someone like myself in HR or recruitment, right? You can talk more specific about models you use or um, different systems you've tried or like databases, etc. that maybe I wouldn't know about as HR. So it's definitely important to, um, yeah, definitely do your homework prior. And I also have some YouTube videos. If you look up Taylor Care Recruitment's YouTube, um, we have some, a lot of videos I've done, really short ones on how to stand out at interview um, and my top tips, etc. So we can share that as well if that helps some of your listeners. Yeah, that's really great. So they're, they're really good tips around doing your homework and check the organisation. Because um, I always get... I always hesitate to take it um, seriously when people say, oh, I've applied for a hundred jobs and I didn't get any. It's like, but how you're better off applying for a couple and doing all those yeah. things you talked about, about calling, asking about the job, answering the key selection criteria, having a really good resume, than just sending the same generic one, not customized, knowing nothing exactly. about the organization. People can sense that it's kind of, you know, you're not putting your best self out there. It's just a, oh, but I've sent out a hundred applications and no one wants me. It's like, yeah. That, that, that's a sign that there's something in that that you're not doing well. Exactly. And like, yeah, we call that the flick and stick approach. <laughs> um, flick out your CV to as many places possible in the hope that something sticks, you know, like it's not a good model. Um, I purposely, you know, a lot of recruiters get a bad rep for doing that to organisations, just sending out every CV they can find and it annoys them. Like and if they're not looking for someone, you don't need to be sending CVs. Um, we're better off giving them a call, having a chat with them about what their needs are coming up and looking for those people than just randomly clicking and sticking CVs and hope that something happens. Um, yeah, and I just want to remind you as well that every no that you get from a job interview is getting you closer to the yes that you're looking for. So don't get disheartened. If there is a no, it's obviously not the right role for you. Um, you know, every no is getting you closer to the yes to your dream job that you're looking for. I like that. I'm just trying to quickly write it down so I don't forget. <laughs> so you, you, right. you mentioned in, in being uh, in your resume is to not undersell yourself. So how do you balance being humble in your resume while highlighting and showcasing your skills? I think this is something that um, maybe this industry is not super great at because there's a lot of collaborative work and a lot yes. of, you know, we're, we're especially for working with clients, it's a lot of we're supporting them and we're taking them on a journey rather than I've done this. So how do people balance that? but also show the clear outcomes of their work or the effectiveness of their work. Or the fact is yeah. some people get better results than others. It's not, we're not all exactly the same. So how do people highlight that without coming across as arrogant or it's sitting too uncomfortably for them? Yep. Definitely. That's a great one. And I always say confidence outweighs being humble. So, you know, you don't have to be cocky or arrogant. It's about being confident and that's what will make you stand out. Um, you know, there's no, um, there's, I know that as social work, as an industry, you're trained to think we as a collective in a team situation, not I, but have a think about it. Um, what's the I that you bring to the team? So it could be um, that you're brilliant at working with really difficult clients. And when someone comes in really distressed and, or angry on the phone, you have an ability to calm them down and talk them through a situation. Or it could be that you're brilliant with policy and procedures and you know exactly where that policy is when someone has a situation and you can say, hey, this is the act on blah, blah, blah. You know, like actually being um, thinking about what you bring to a team. You know, everyone has their 
um, magic that they bring because we're all unique. And so it's looking at what it is you might, and a good way to do it without sounding um, overly like confident or cocky about yourself is to say, well, a lot of feedback I get is from managers or from colleagues is that I am great at dealing with X, Y, Z. So it might be, I'm great at dealing with that difficult client who comes in, who's very angry and aggressive. And I have a calm presence that can help bring them back to a calmer state. So like actually, um, and then it's someone else saying it, not just you. It makes it feel like it's not you overselling yourself in a way. Um, so yeah, I think that's really helps. I think confidence is contagious. So, you know, um, if they can see that you're confident and passionate, passion's really important. Um, that will show and shine through more than say being coming across as arrogant. But also another thing is always be teachable. So if you can um, be confident but teachable, I think that will help you remain humble in how you present. There's some excellent tips there. So I think um, definitely I like the one of saying, you know, reflecting on the feedback you get from others. So someone might say, often are you really good at this but we, we we might not let it sink in but that's a, a nice way of saying it a lot of feedback i get from managers or from clients or from my colleagues is that blah 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 yeah it's a really good one that's great any tips um so you mentioned a little bit about when we talked about the student placements um around networking and just getting to know the system and the managers and the organization any sort of more general tips for those who are looking to just upskill or move into other areas um, around sort of networking, professional development, that kind of thing? Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, getting um, into different groups on social media is really good. Um, like our social work group, there's different groups we can go on there. We get a lot of students on there who actually come on or new grads and say, hey, I'm looking for an opportunity. Any tips for, you know, any or organisations you can think of in Brisbane that I could approach or, or what have you, you know, like there's a lot of um, groups where you can get support um, or you're like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this extra study. What do you think people have, has anyone done it? You know, it's great to be able to bounce off a community of people. Um, I also think, um, yeah, the, like I was saying, um, also have a LinkedIn profile. Now I know that's only not that popular maybe for the social industry, but more and more people are going onto LinkedIn to search and headhunt people. Um, also on Seek, um, there's profiles you can have on Seek. So make sure you have a Seek profile um, optimised. And I think there's like a tick box where people can say, yes, I want to be contacted for opportunities. Same with LinkedIn. You can actually have a, a, a tick box that says, yes, please notify me of jobs. A lot of people are posting jobs on there now. So um, definitely, yeah, work on those things. I think would really help. One thing I wanted to ask you about the social media groups is... I think people forget that, it, I mean, you don't, the, the communities are quite gentle and people aren't there to judge. But also if you're putting a post saying I'm looking for a job and you've got some spelling mistakes and no capitals and maybe you've asked a question that's like you're really not showing that you've got the initiative to have figured this yes. out, does that work against them? Like if they've asked, like I've had, I've seen mm. some posts in social work groups where people are like, oh, so what is CBT? It's like, dude, if you don't know that, We've got yeah, exactly. Problems. So sometimes don't Googling it. <laughs> yeah. Don't put that into the group. Just exactly. Cause I think it follows yeah. your name and people can see all the other things that you've posted. Like what are your thoughts on balancing being vulnerable and asking a good question or asking something that I know there's no stupid questions, but sometimes there is as well. Yeah. Know? True. 
Yeah, I, exactly. Like, have a look and see if you if you don't know what it is, ask a colleague or ask a friend in social work. Hey, have you heard what the CBT is? Or Google it and have a look. Like, be show that you've kind of done a little bit of research. You know. Um. Also, remember that like your you know there's some people can become keyboard warriors on social media and can be quite harsh or not remember that you know you're actually representing your personal brand when you comment or say things like yeah would you would you have said that to someone's face you know think about what you're writing like it's it's um yeah being kind because so often uh well i get you know pe- i've had people be rude in my group even because we're a lot of members you know and be write comments sometimes and i'm like aren't you meant to be a social worker like aren't you meant to be a counselor like why would you talk to me like that you know i am a person behind the brand and i am a human and you know i would have thought in our this sector that they would be the best at it but um we all fail i guess we're all human but at the same time it's good to remember that you know people um can especially linkedin people can see what you're writing you know i saw like um scott morrison was doing like you know posts on linkedin and people are commenting under their name with their company brand and everything you know it's all on there on linkedin like and i was like what are these people doing like so so rude like you can't talk like that you know so yeah just be mindful that yeah it's not there's no stupid questions but yeah just remember to think it through before you before you just randomly comment and post because <laughs> those names like I, lo- I think that's an interesting one because it's out there and it's publicly accessible so someone might google you or they might if they're a member of your group and they've had an application they might just type that person's name into the search bar and see if that person has been active on that account exactly so, you know, it doesn't take it doesn't take much investigation to find some of those things and i've heard cases where people have posted things and they've been fired for their job because in their profile wow. it links to their industry Company. and it's yeah and they're like that's actually against our media policy if you've got you know people can bring you back to then your role um yes and and that's actually in the some people's contracts in the fine print that you can't go advocating for this in your workspace and then being like a completely different person like you have to be more integrated exactly yeah you have to remember that it's really easy um you know for an employer like you're doing homework on them prior to interview they can be doing homework on you <laughs> um so being mindful of what you're putting out in the world um and yeah if you don't want people to see your personal things or what you get up to on the weekend like um make your profile private you know uh i've had like people apply for jobs even with my business and recruitment not even social work right and you know i look them up on facebook and they're out partying and drinking on the weekend and looking drunk you know and I'm just like that's not the image that I want to have against my brand and my business so you know be mindful you know how you present in the marketplace yeah that's that's a good tip Uh, so just to kind of wrap up um, before I ask you about your own kind of self-care regime are there any kind of final tips you've got for people so we've covered a little bit around making opportunities in placement networking um, how to kind of take care of your personal brand and get feedback any kind of last words of wisdom or tips yeah I would say you don't get a second chance to make a good first impression so just remember like you don't get a second chance to re-interview often or you know so go in there and give it your best so that you can go away feeling like wow I'm really proud of what I did whether I got the job or not or whether I you know my application gets looked at I know I've given the best impression that I can um, so that's something that I um, I think is really important. I think it's also 
working on your um, your nerves and um, how you feel prior to going into um, an interview as well, like going into the bathroom and doing some breathing, like big deep breaths in and out for five seconds in, five seconds out and doing a power pose. I know it sounds silly, but like the Superwoman, uh, Wonder Woman or like Spider-Man or whatever, Batman, like just like in front of the mirror where no one's looking, just be really... Um, you know, in your power, because then you go in there confident. So I always get things a bit early and always, you know, take some breaths, center yourself before you go in because you're going to come across a lot calmer and more centered in what you do. I like that about being prepared. And that's something I would tell people to do as well is, you know, if you kind of look at the, um, the way stress and performance are linked, you need just enough stress to take it seriously, to have ironed your clothes the day before, to know yep. what, mode of transport it is sometimes if it's an unusual spot you know maybe you go there um a different time to kind of just if you're unsure about the directions it's yeah having breakfast that you're not going to spill on your clothes or a backup shirt you know? <laughs> um, exactly and, and nothing new on game day like if you've never i don't know had a coffee first thing in the morning don't use that morning to try something new you know if you're always the person who has breakfast don't skip it on that day like do your normal routine as close as you can. Nothing exactly. you can game day because that just that'll just cause you all sorts of chaos. I know, right? Um, yeah, it's really important um, to look after yourself so that you can give the best of you, not the rest of you. So just be really mindful of that. Beautiful. There's some great tips. So just to wrap, I mean to wrap up, you are also in a role where you're dealing with maybe not the same type of vicarious trauma, but you're hearing people talk about either bad work experiences, bad work culture, um, maybe some bullying or sexual harassment or things that have led to them wanting to leave their company or even just sharing with you their kind of despair at not getting the kinds of jobs that they're after or the conditions that they want. So that's quite a big load to hold on top of being the director of a company. So what are some of your tips for self-care and how you, how you compartmentalize or integrate or balance all of those things? Yeah, definitely a challenge. And I think we feel like we're the, often the counselors to um, the counselors and the social workers out there because people, you know, we show we care and we listen and um, they often open up to us and tell us stuff that they probably wouldn't tell other people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, often people ask if I'm a, a count, trained as a counsellor or psychologist, um, even though I've not, I've just developed a lot of skills on the job. So I have to be um, careful that like what I, I, I'm also an RUK community ambassador, right? So I go and speak around my lived experience with mental health as a teenager into workplaces and how I overcame that and where I am today. And so I have to, do a lot of things to help me um, to make sure that I'm good in a good place before I can give out to everyone else. I'm also a mum. I have a four-year-old, so I'm very busy um, with her as well. And so I have to be um, on all the time. I also have an online health business in the evenings that I work on and weekends. So you can imagine there's never really a dull moment, which I love, but at the same time, I do have to make sure I fill my cup up. So um, different things I do. I have a business coach, so that's really helped me. Or like in your case, it would be an external supervisor like yourself um, to help keep you accountable and to support you on the journey in your career. Um, though, since I've had coaches to invest in me and my business, I have grown so much as a person, as a leader and as a business owner, but also the brand that I come out to market with in the last few years has really grown too. I also do a lot of professional development. I'm a bit of a junkie with that stuff. So I love doing one-day courses workshops, Zoom webinars, like if they're on an evening or lunchtime, 
I just do whatever I can to learn new things and to see what's going on. I look at blogs, podcasts like this, you know, whatever I can to learn something new so that I can um, keep going out and giving my best. Um, I also believe exercise is really important. So I make sure I do something every day to move my body. So it might just, at the moment, it's really hard because of um, the, you know, COVID virus, we're all in lockdown. And so um, something I've started doing this morning for the first time was I tried, instead of having my normal gym class, I um, actually got um, our gym, Virgin um, Active, has actually brought out like an online um, workouts you can do like through the app. So I tried their Pilates class and I did it in my lounge room um, for 30 minutes. I actually did a quite a good workout. I was quite impressed with myself. It was a little bit awkward at first, but I think it's just getting used to it. Um, so yeah, once you learn the little moves that they'll teach you and stuff, it's like any new class, you have to kind of get used to it. But that really helps keep me centered in the mornings. Um, also gratitude, like when you wake up in the morning, think about three things you're grateful for before you, your feet hit the floor. You know, it doesn't even, if you don't have time to write it down, just think about it, you know, um, the three things, it could be just having a warm bed to be in, you know, a roof over your head, food in your cupboard, like it's something simple sometimes, you have, having toilet paper right now, like it's about being grateful for like every little thing that we have, right? So um, that can really shift the neural pathways in your brain if you can have that sense of gratitude in your approach and how you set your day up. So yeah, and a bit of meditation at night before bed, I find helps. I really like the Smiling Mind app. Um, it's only five minutes. There's also a Headspace app, I think, and a few others that people really like, the Calm app, that, you know, I find it just calms my mind before bed and helps me unwind because I'm often buzzing all day long. <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a fantastic list. I'll pop them in the notes as well. Thanks so much for squeezing us into your busy schedule. Um, I'm okay. sure it's a topic that a lot of people will find helpful because um, a lot of the guests so far have been more around practice specific things. So looking at recruitment will be a really valuable um, resource for our listeners. So to get in touch with you, we've got the Facebook group. Uh, so it'll be linked to that. Um, some of your YouTube videos. Do you want to give your website or any other contact yep. details a shout out? Yeah, sure. So you can just look us up on www.taylorcare.com.au. Um, our website's on there and all our contact details. You can watch, we have a thing called TCTV, so you can watch all our videos on there as well if you don't want to jump on YouTube. Um, and you can also see about our training packages, et cetera, on there too and jobs that we've got currently. Excellent. Thanks so much. No worries. I hope you found my interview today with Kate inspiring and it gave you some really good tips on the recruitment process, on how to tweak your resume and some of the things that you can do to improve your chances of getting the job that you want. Kate and I are going to do a series of Facebook live chats. So if you join her Facebook page, uh, you'll be able to see those dates coming where we'll do a bit of a Q&A and yeah, all the things, recruitment, supervision, social work. So if you've got some questions that you'd like Kate and I to answer, jump on the Facebook group and come to one of those live Q&As. A big thank you to all the listeners. I'm really grateful for you taking the time to listen to my podcast. I've created a link on the Facebook group and uh, on the website for a PayPal account. So if you feel like you can make a small contribution to keep the podcast going, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode's resources. And don't forget to click subscribe and review us wherever it is you get your podcasts.